0: Hello, friends, and welcome to To The Point, the home services podcast that focuses on marketing and operational solutions to help you get better. Because if you're not getting better, you're getting worse. Now, let's cut through the bullshit and get to the point.
1: To The Point listeners, it is a very special day here on the To The Point podcast for multiple reasons. The day we're actually recording this podcast is September 30th, which is International Podcast Day. Uh, and in case you weren't aware, you're listening to a podcast. So uh, so it's kind of like your special day too. We, we want you to join in on that, on the celebration of International Podcast Day. But seriously... Thank you, thanks, thank good Lord, thank you for listening to the podcast, uh, all the reviews that we got. I got some really cool messages this week, this week from last uh, the the podcast that we just uh, rolled out on Tuesday. Um, You're on fire today, dude! Listen, it's because I'm so excited about the second half of the celebration we're going to do today. I have so much excitement around not only just our guest, but also another special thing about today is it's Tall Paul's 38th birthday. (laughs)
2: <laughs> oh, wow. Thank you, Chris. I appreciate that. No, you shouldn't if, have.
1: Now, listen, just because, man, you guys, I, I have to tell you, if you've listened to the podcast, you never went to our To The Point Home Services Facebook page, please do. And let me tell no, you, it's what. okay. Nope. You don't have to. Nope. You can just, no, yeah, take our word for it. No, no, no. Listen, you know, if you've listened enough, you understand that we bust Paul's chops often, mainly because he opens himself up to it. But if you. If you would just please pick up your phone, go to your computer real quick, just go to Facebook, go to To The Point Home Services podcast page, and take a look at the pictures I posted of my dear friend, Tall Paul, because he gives, you know, anytime I'm just around him, he's so full of excitement. You know, he's such a tough, manly guy that I thought, why not show some of his best pictures that kind of portray that image of Paul? So please go and check those pictures out and just hit that like button, and if you feel like it, share it. I'm sure he won't mind. (laughs)
2: <laughs> zero zero shame. It's all good, Chris. I'm I'm glad you can have a uh, have fun at my
1: expense. Yeah. Well, you should know, know it better than to send me those pictures. But I'd like to do one last thing for you because I know I'm your favorite crooner. Is I'm going to sing Happy Birthday to you. And listen, our guests I haven't introduced him yet. But Frank, you're welcome to join in with me because it is a Very special well. day, being Tall Paul's birthday. Wow. Are you ready, Paul? Uh,
2: yeah, as ready as I'll ever be. Thank you.
1: You're-
3: Happy birthday, happy birthday to
1: you, to you. Happy, happy birthday, birthday dear. Tom dear Paul. Happy, happy birthday, birthday to you. To you. And, hey, Frank can sing. Frank was on Barrett's, he was in the bass in the low end. I don't see that on the
2: bio. I'm gonna have to, uh, I'm gonna have to add that in,
3: yeah. Uh, unfortunately, wow. not
2: publicly
1: though, just privately. Hey, well, listen, this is public now. It is. This is so good. I so, happy Happy birthday to my dear friend, tall, Paul, but listen, um, you You know, I do bust your chops a lot. I mean, not just because I mean, listen, I, it's not the cycling, it's the gear. Okay. So I don't want to offend any of my cyclist friends out or or any Paul's or whatever. Um, but but you give me so many things that I can go off of like the caboodle, right? Do you remember (laughs) the caboodle? That was, um, Paul or Frank, have you ever heard of a caboodle? No, of course not. You're a guy. So, um, now Paul, if you could please just share really quick with Frank and our listeners who may not have known that you owned a air quotes caboodle, uh, which is, he calls his, he called his toolbox. Could you just explain real quick what that is, please?
2: All right. Let, let me, let me back this up a little bit. So I have a twin brother. Incidentally, it's his birthday today too, of all things.
1: Weird. He's and your twin.
2: Growing up, it was kind of a divide and conquer thing. My brother hung out with my dad and I hung out with my mom and, um, you know, I have no, I, no reason why, but, um, I like to organize things, so I had a, a like old makeup kit that was a caboodle that looks like a fishing tackle box, but it's definitely pink and purple with a mirror in it, and I used to put my toys in it. And so um, on my first day at Rhino, I shared that, and I immediately regretted it. But every once in a while, I don't know what it is, I give Chris a little something to just you know make fun of me about, and it just keeps our relationship, um, I don't know, fresh and thriving. It, it, it seems to work.
1: I really appreciate that you do that, Paul. And it's actually, it says a lot about your confidence in yourself. So let's look at it that way. I now, appreciate it. Listen, Frank, another thing. Have you ever seen the show Full House? Yes. With Danny Tanner? Yeah. So, Bob Saget, um, don't you think Paul resembles Danny Tanner a little bit?
3: Oh, yeah. Yeah, he does. He does. Yeah, <laughs> pretty crazy.
1: You know what's really weird is that um, we, because I've given, I busted chops about that so much, I thought, you know, Let's just, well, we have a special message for you, Paul. We would like to share that with you right now, if, if you would just oh, indulge oh. me.
0: Hey, tall Paul, Bob Saget here. Chris told me all about you, and I looked you up on the online thing, you know, on that ethernet, the Ethernet and <laughs> you seem like a good guy. Uh, Chris told me you look like me, which is kind of sad. I'm sorry, bro. <laughs> And he said you act like danny tanner which means you're you're a nice man you're very very nice well i was playing a character i ain't that nice although i do dust bust now and i'm sure you've been doing that but i also heard that with your home services podcast you you do home servicing so you go door to door are you a stud does your woman know about this (laughs) i mean i know that you had a toolbox called a caboodle (laughs) so i guess that would be like the whole kit in caboodle is that what you meant because it's a fantastic kind of pun play on words but why would you call it the caboodle sounds dirty man it sounds like someone's butt um anyway i also know you're a great cyclist do you use the seat or you just have that pole go up your ass because that works you don't fall off a unicycle i don't wear no seat i just shove the pole right up my ass in my caboodle hole um sounds like you're a good guy so i don't know why i'm giving you a hard time what the hell if you're really nice you deserve it uh, this is a time where we could use nice people because the world's tough enough, don't you think? I do. Um, and it looks like you could do a good podcast. I went through it online, didn't find any dirty messages, nothing odd, no fringe groups. But uh, I looked through, I didn't go into your profile because you scare me. If you look like me, I don't want to see too much of you. But I send you my best, man, and uh, to you and your family. And Chris, you seem like the best guy. Of course. You're really holding him up. You're yep. picking up the slack. I mean, it. He named his toolkit. Oh. Kit and caboodle, that's so genius. But uh, Chris, you seem really nice and you wanted to help us, help your friend out. So that's why you wanted me to do this. So uh, all I gotta say, tall Paul, you know, if we're in a time where you can't, you gotta protect yourself and be safe because of of quarantine and stuff, maybe you use your skills instead of a Viagra, you just use duct tape and a pipe cleaner. I don't know, it's possible, tall Paul. Um, I send you my best, Uh, best to you and both your families. And uh, I don't know, just keep riding that bike with the stick up your ass. And I wish you guys all the best. All right.
1: Thanks, Bob. Appreciate you.
2: This is unbelievable. Chris, we have a guest on today. How are we supposed to get this back on the tracks? Unbelievable. (laughs)
1: Oh, Frank, thank you for uh, letting me uh, share that special message with uh, oh, Paul before, it's fine. before
2: jumping I mean, I'm crying it. over here. This is why you don't hang out with people who have money. Oh, man.
1: <laughs> that was be right rhino family. Okay, listen. Oh, thank um, you. Oh. Yeah, I'm glad you appreciate that. Man, that was, uh, um, actually, that was producer Kyle's um, idea. So, appreciate oh, it. Gosh, thank um, you, Kyle. But let's get That's, this thing back back on the rails Okay, so let's go ahead and get to uh, our to our guest. There's no really easy way to segue from that and in, back into this, so let's just go right into it. Um, now, our guest has been around, uh, gosh, the trades a long time, doing business coaching, motivational speaking for a long time. A lot of credible sources. Uh, we have a lot of overlap, which is I found out I as I was in the pre-podcast production and learning about our guest and all the amazing things he's accomplished and. We have some mutual friends and some and highly recommended from a lot of even uh, some of our customers, but just uh, well known in the industry, um, a veteran, right? Navy veteran, I think yeah. I read that. So thank you for your service. Appreciate that. Um, my You're father's welcome. Navy veteran as well, Navy veteran as well. Cool. Um, former manager and trainer. I mean, sports specialist. I mean, we're talking like little bitty companies called like Sony. Um, you did the RCA service company. Uh, GE, you were there for a long time, right? GE. Um, yeah,
3: uh, total. G-E-R-C-A combined time, 16 years. Yes,
1: that's awesome. Um, I know you did some stuff with, uh, you know, we have some, like, I actually started, for those who, who, this may be your first time listening to the podcast, if it is, I'm I'm sorry it's not always, like, doesn't always start out that way. I'm also the CEO of a company called Rhino Strategic Solutions, which is a uh, digital marketing company for the trades only since uh, 2008, and that really kind of started with Carrier Corporation. I know you did some work with them as well, Um, but... You, what I was reading about you, it was, you actually were born in a refugee camp in Salerno, Italy. Is that right?
3: That's correct. Yes.
1: And so then you, you guys moved to the States. So you're, so you moved to the the States and you went moved to Cleveland, I believe, which is, which is really, I want to say you're around like nine or 10 or something like that. I read, is that?
3: No, I was, uh, eight, uh, 10 months old, 10 months old when I came to the United States. So I don't remember, obviously. Of course.
1: Right. So, okay. But then you moved to Cleveland and now coincidentally, um. Paul is from uh, OH I.O. <laughs> you're welcome for that um, but now you reside in Louisville so right um, but now, I think I'm gonna rather than me go through any more of this I think what I'd like to do is uh, first off welcome our guest Frank Besednyak. did I say that right
3: absolutely good job thank you
1: thank you thank you thank you the real Frank Um Frank. real Frank. Um, but if you would uh, go ahead and share with our listeners, just a little bit of your history, kind of how you got into, you know, the motivational speaking and business coaching aspect of things, and just kind of let everybody know, like, what is Frank all about?
3: Sure. I'll I'll try to make this as brief as possible. Uh, as you mentioned, I worked for the RCA and uh, GE. I was a service manager for the RCA service company. Um just a little background, I got hired in a union shop, had 72 field people working for me. My first real leadership job where I was over a group of employees versus just three or four here or there. And uh, we were the second worst performing location in the country. Out of 138 locations, we were number 137. The Bronx, New York was the last one.
1: Yikes. And
3: uh, the guy who I replaced actually tried to kill himself. He hung himself in a men's room. Someone found him, he had a nervous breakdown. And a guy before that was lasted like three weeks, he quit. And when they hired me in, I actually went, I was back in the shop. I was there maybe uh, three weeks, a month. And uh, I'm in the break room with some of the guys who work for me and we're talking and a guy comes in he goes to the calendar, he writes his name and one of the dates on a calendar. And then he gets five bucks to uh, the shop leader and I said, "What's that for?" And He says, uh, "Well, um, you don't you don't want to you don't want to know." And I thought, "Okay, that's weird." Then another guy says, "Well, I'll put uh, I'll take this date and this date," and they're giving five dollars each to the guy. And finally, I said, "Okay, I'm what the hell's going on? I want to get in on this. You know, I like wagering every once in a while. So what's going on?" And they said, "Okay, well, here's how it is: pick the day that you think you'll quit or get fired." get five dollars for that day. Whoever wins gets all the money. And there's people <laughs> putting it in like tomorrow, you know. And, uh, <laughs> and I thought, okay, what kind of crazy freaking place? And that's when they told me about the guy trying to kill himself. They've had like eleven managers in the last three years. And uh, and I thought, okay, where did I get myself into? Well, anyway, I was uh, to make it short. I was there four and a half years. We were number two in the country when I got promoted. Nice. And uh, then I got uh, GE took over. They moved me to Louisville where I became a manager of training operations. And then they put me in charge of all service, field service support and operations for uh, GE appliances globally. And that was my last real job working for someone. <laughs> so, and, and I loved what I did. I met Jack Welsh, I, you know, I got to spend time with him. I'm one of the few people graduated from the Executive Developments uh, Institute in Crotonville. Um, and it's a big deal. I learned a lot. I learned a lot about people, leadership, motivation, productivity, uh, quality. I mean, it was the best learning experience I could have possibly had. So I've took and take that. My first customer was Sears Home Services and I try to help them, uh, reconfigure the way they did business with people and how they, uh, did their job in the field. So I came up with a group of training programs that they implemented across the country. And um, then I started doing, people had asked me to go speak at different locations, trade associations, Um, carrier had asked me to develop a service, uh, customer service training program that I gave them and then they implemented across the country with some other people because uh, I was too expensive, I guess, to do it. so <laughs> But anyway, it just kind of grew from there. Um, and now I do workshops. Uh, I, I then the continuing education thing started where uh, contractors were required to do uh, continuing education right. in certain states. And I thought, well, here's a thing I can jump in on. And I found that most of the continuing ed providers were like retired inspectors, people like that. And then I started marketing my classes and people are coming to my class and they say, whoa, you really know about business. Well, yeah, I mean, I'm doing a class so you can learn something. I can help you become better at what you do and who you are as a person. And it just kept growing and growing and growing. And now I do more continuing ed uh, as a company in the state of Ohio, Kentucky than anyone else. Uh, now I'm doing it online. And at the same time, that grows my consulting business. So people come in and say, hey, you know, I want to know more about this because I feel like a failure. I'm not moving in the right direction. And I say, well, I can help you. Um, we can go from there and see what happens. And the, the thing about me and the, and the way I do coaching, I don't have an established program. So many other coaches out there. First of all, most coaches are former sales reps. They, they were a sales rep for somewhere. Okay, which is great you know, they have their experience. I'm not a sales guy. I am a operations guy and I'm a service guy. I'm a person, a a people guy. So when I go into a company, I don't go in there with my handbook or my, uh, something off the shelf. I go in and figure out what are they doing? What parts of what are they doing wrong? What can I do to make them better? How can I improve things? Um, well, what are the obvious, what are the not so obvious? And then I put together a plan of action to make them successful in the way their culture is in the way they do things versus, well, here's the pre-programmed plan that we do everywhere else and come in and implement that my way. It's not my business. It's their business. I want them to have the autonomy to do things their way, not my way. I just come in there and make things work smoothly. And I've been very successful at it. Tell us what some of your clients look like and what types of problems are you helping them solve routinely? Well, it's funny because I have clients who are one-man businesses to some of the largest service companies in North America. Yep. Um, and, it, and everyone has a different things. Some of the routine things, uh, for example, I'm working with someone uh, now where they're having major leadership issues. Now, it isn't specifically that they don't know how to manage people, maybe a little bit of that, but we have a unique workforce today. Um, They need you. They have unique skills and they have unique needs and wants. And what we run into is, well, my guys don't listen to me. They don't, they don't understand how important it is that they work harder, that they get more done, that they offer more products, that they sell more. Um, Well, people aren't, Going to do anything unless they see there's some value in it for them. Um, So it's it's way too complex to get into how I determine what needs to be done. But I find the biggest problem is number one, leadership, uh, employee issues, not having enough employees, of course, but the employees they do have aren't doing what they want them to do. Um, And the problem with that is the employees don't really care um, so they don't really want to do anything more for the owner, the manager, or the leader in the organization. And it's, it's simply a matter of culture and structure and incentives and understanding the needs of people today. The, the whole world is changing, not only in the way people go to work and what they expect from an owner of a company or a manager of a company or from that employer in general, But the way they shop and everything changes too. And the way they look at things, it's not like it was when I was a manager back in the seventies where people were stepping over each other to work overtime. You know, everything was driven by money and I can go in and cuss and yell at someone and threaten to fire them and everything else. And they got them in gear. Well, that doesn't work today. They just leave. Uh, so it's different. And I've seen this change through the years and some people still haven't figured that out yet.
2: Let's go a little deeper on that. Like what are the differences? Where do you see the HVAC, HVAC industry going in terms of the way businesses operate and the way their products and services are, are sold? And yeah, unpack that a little bit for me.
3: Okay. I have a completely unusual look when it comes to this industry than anyone else you'll probably ever talk to. I'm listening. I look <laughs> at the typical Joe Blow consumer, okay? Well, how do they look at things? How do they shop? And I don't care what industry it's in, but what what is the trends in the world of the world market and the economy? Uh, Ikea, you go to Ikea, there's no salesperson following you around. Oh, okay, is there anything I can help you with? Or any large department store? There used to be the day like you used to go to Sears and someone's always there. Can I help you, sir? Can I help you, ma'am? Uh, what is it that you're looking for? Let me help guide you, okay? That's gone. Everybody buys everything online. Um, and you can buy a car online. They'll deliver it to your house. And if you don't like it, they'll take it back and bring you another one. Uh, yet in the HVAC industry, I I believe we're still running it like the old Sears department store. Uh, I don't see, you know, why do we have freaking salesmen out there when people don't want to deal with salesmen? And I know uh, people right now are, their arm, their hair's going up on their arms and they're losing their freaking mind. Why is Frank saying this? We're gonna put salesman. But it's it's just that's the trend. How are we going to adapt our businesses to accommodate the trend in the buying patterns of consumers today? And we're not. We're the, the problem is, is the service industry that's out there is still operating like they all work for the manufacturers. They're not. They're they're independent service people. The the greatest strength that service companies have is they have the ability to fix and troubleshoot and make good recommendations and help people become comfortable and safe and save energy. They're not there. The service person, when when did the world change when a service person became a salesperson almost exclusively? They have to be in some degree. However, the customer doesn't buy from people who want to sell them something. The customer buys from people who had come in there and is a response to their need to get comfortable and we're missing the boat. And, and I've gone in companies and told them, Hey, you know what? You need to start focusing on not pushing people to sell stuff, but create a system and a process that meets the needs of the customer, no matter what that is. So the customer can be guided through a process that gets them to the end result of what's best for them versus we're going to go out there and sell. And you know, like I, I, sometimes I talk to companies at trade shows and, Hey, how's business? Oh yeah, man, I'm doing 20 million. I expect to do uh, 30 million next year. And I said, know, what I grow sales. Yeah. But you make making money. Tell me how much money you're making. I don't care. I, you know, I can, I could set up a system to do $100 million. What the heck's that mean if I'm make, not making any money and I'm annoying people? Right. Pretty soon I'm going to go into a nosedive and crash because the emphasis of my business isn't in the right place. So I don't know. I told you a lot of stuff for one question
1: All of this with smartac.com. You've got to check it out now.
2: No, there's so many things I want to touch on. So you talked about contractors, you know, and I'm using air quotes, working for the manufacturer and how that should be changing. Um, Talk to me a little bit more about that. And what does the alternative look like? Or talk about the culture of how it used to be with maybe manufacturers, contractors, homeowners, et cetera.
3: Well, I see, um, the co- the contract of the future needs to focus on marketing themselves, not marketing a product. Where in the in, where in the world do you see people who market a product more than they market their own company? You know, HVAC contractors. You know, they have the product name on their hats, their shirts, and everything else in their trucks. And yeah, and you know, like I I go into companies, I say. Why do you have this manufacturer's name on everything? Well, they give me a piece of money for advertising. Well, what about if I put the real Frank on the side of your truck? How much is that going to cost? Well, that doesn't make any sense. But it doesn't make any sense for you to market for someone else. Put your name on a product. You have to market your own company. And, you know, you don't go to Walmart and they 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 change the Walmart name to Procter & Gamble, Gamble or whoever, you know, Kraft Foods. Uh, they don't. They market themselves, and uh, and and that's where I see, and and, and I sh- I'm sure there's some manufacturers because I uh, they're going to say some. I'm loyal to no one. I'm loyal to me and my clients. Okay, I have no loyalty. I could care less. I have people who wanted me to recommend their stuff. Well, I'm only going to recommend things that I think are good. Uh, I'm not going to re- recommend someone because they're going to give me fifty bucks every time I mention their name. You know, it just doesn't work that way for me. And I've grown my business as a result of doing what's right for my customer base. And if that's stepping on a bunch of people's toes, well, well, that's the way it goes. I don't care. They should get out of the way. Let us run our businesses and grow.
2: And, and you can only have that type of confidence when you're delivering for your clients and you've got their support, which I know you do. Um, hey, real quick, this is more logistical, but I should have asked it earlier. What does chief instigator mean in your title? <laughs> yeah
3: well cuz i i uh i go into companies and annoy people sometimes and uh and i just came you up do. with <laughs> yeah i just came up with instigator like uh i mean i've not only done contracting but i've done manufacturing businesses and nightclubs and bars and uh and it's almost and i'm not quite as severe it's almost like i'm gordon ramsay Uh, Mixed with John Taffer going in sometimes because I don't have time to screw around. Uh, I, you know, here's what's screwed up. And here's some things I'm going to point out that are obvious right now. And I have to tell you, you need to resolve it because it's unacceptable until we get through that. We can't go any further. And, and unfortunately, that's where I got the instigator title.
1: (laughs) (laughs) John John Taffer bar rescue. Great show.
3: Yeah. Yeah. I, I I worked with John Taffer for a little while. Uh, we did some, uh, a rescue tours together for Anheuser-Busch, but he had a TV show and then I went out and continued to do what I was doing. So it's yeah. a whole different world now for both of us.
1: Yeah, I thought I saw some pictures of you guys together on yeah. maybe on the side or something. But
2: let's talk a little bit more about leadership. You mentioned that you're oftentimes going into businesses to help with leadership. Um, what are some of the like common leadership issues that you see, whether it's leadership style, employee issues, and I think you've mentioned you have a solution for the common
3: issues. So share that with us a little bit. Okay. Um, first of all, people need to have a plan of action for what they're supposed to do. Sometimes we wind up hiring, uh, I'll just give you a scenario. Let's say I'm gonna hire a new person who, who has limited skills, but they seem to be a good person, work hard, they'll show up every day and they're ambitious and healthy. and driven we bring them in let's say we're going to make them installer so we we wind up taking that person and having them work with joe installer who's been here 22 years or whatever and i can just imagine the young person let's say early 20s comes in and they're working with joe installer and they're saying so uh, joe um uh, tell me what your title is uh well i'm an installer and then this this kid's thinking well, i'm an installer and this guy's been here 22 years so Where's my future? I'm just going to be, a, you know, a higher level installer, but have the same title. And and it's it's kind of self defeating when you get into an industry and you see there's no real future to move up. What I encourage my customers to do is to set up levels of Employees, like for example, you can start off with an apprentice installer, then you can have a junior installer, a master installer, senior installer, chief installer. So you can have four or five levels. Then you can have an apprentice service guy, a journeyman service guy, master jer- or chief or whatever, up to a higher level. And with each specific uh, level, you have a, a paid grade that of uh, you get paid between this point and that point, like. 30 to 50 or whatever. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and you've got a clear path, uh, growth path for you as well.
3: C- correct. And then you can set up guidelines and prerequisites in order for this person to, to get to the next level, they have to be able to prove to someone they have the capability of performing at this level and doing these things. Once they reach that point, then now they can jump up to the next pay grade and start working at the next level. Right. At the same time, the employer has to provide methods for these people to be able to learn more to become more proficient in what they do. You can't just tell someone, "I want you to do uh, sell more accessories." Okay, that doesn't work. Just I've had people calling, "Frank, can you do sales training?" I could, but what is it that you want to accomplish? Uh, I just want my guys to sell more. I want to, and I, so you want to increase the average ticket? Yeah. All right, raise your price. I'll send you a bill for five thousand dollars, and there's your answer. And they're like, "No, I'm not joking," you know, because I, you know, I like to mess with them. And I said, "Well, how do you know it's training related?" Well, I don't know if it's training related or not, but the last time I had a sales trainer come in, they did good for a couple months, and then they kind of went back. Well, and he just pay attention to them; they'll do good for a couple months. You don't have to hire a trainer. It's just paying attention to them. And secondly, you can't train people to do something that they already know how to do, but they don't want to do. And that's a thing in in the field I see a lot. Oh, I think I can train, I want to train my guys to do more of something. Well, They already know how to do it. They just don't want to do it. I I used to do this at GE and tell people this. If I can hold a gun to someone's head and tell them to do it and they do it, it's, it's not training. There's a reason, you know, I can't train it. They know how to do it. It's just that they don't want to, there's no incentive and there's no system or process in place that encourages them to do certain things a certain way. And I'm a systems and process guy. I like to run a business, like it's a baseball team, a baseball game. Everybody knows where a foul ball is. Everybody knows what their job is. Everybody knows when this scenario happens, here's how you're supposed to respond and that's how work should be. It should be a system beginning from how you answer the first of all, how you advertise and get customers, you should have a system for that. Here's how we get customers. Okay, what do we do with those customers when they come in? How do we talk to them on the phone? How do we answer every type of question that's of value? You leave nothing for chance. That's why I look at. Don't leave anything for chance. Have a scenario for everything. Once they're on the phone and we have to put them on hold for some reason, here's what we say. When we get them back on the phone. How do we schedule an appointment? What words do we use? When the guy shows up, how does he address the customer? What does he say? What are the things that they're required to say? How do we take the, them through that whole experience from A to Z to make sure it gives us the optimum outcome? And then when it's done, what do we do with that customer to make sure they're going to refer other people and get and, and tell us we're awesome and tell the world we're awesome and so on and so forth. When the money comes in, what do we do with that money? Where does it go? Who handles that? How do we reinvest? How do we hire people? All those things have to be laid out. Nobody does that. They open up a business. Next thing you know, they're hiring people because they can't do it alone. And then they're saying, okay, well go out and do work. Then a person thinks they're doing good work. Then they get yelled at when they're not because it wasn't communicated. You say, I see that over and over and over again.
1: You say systems and I hear Michael E. Gerber.
3: (laughs) Yeah. Mike Gerber. Yeah. Great, great point. Very good.
1: That's what, uh, We've had Ken Goodrich on here a few times, and I know he's a systems guy, so he, like, preaches. He'll go into depth on systems and how it's helped build their business. Clear down, to when you open the door in the morning, how you put the key in, which yeah. it's pretty…
3: Ken and I are friends. We've pretty intense. We've communicated a lot. Uh, he, he and I are on the same page. Yeah. You uh, made
2: reference to a gun a moment ago, and I want to come back to that because you made me think of something. Do you ever go into a business where the employees, particularly like uh, high-performing employees, are holding the business owners hostage? Yes. Ooh. Um. I mean, labor's tight, right? And yeah. these, um, you know, a good, strong installer, service tech who does a really good job knows how money's flowing, and they know they have a little bit of leverage. What do you do? What do you
3: see? Are those fixable problems? Um. First, we have to identify if it really is a problem. There's nothing wrong with being a prima donna, provided that it doesn't affect other people. Paul knows. <laughs> yeah. Well. Yeah. Thank you. I appreciate that. No, so true. You know what I mean? It's like, it, hey, if this guy is the prima donna of all HVAC service guys or whatever, and he gets paid more than anybody else, and this guy doesn't even do his paperwork, someone else does it, I don't care if he's performing at a level that makes it worth it for everybody to kiss his butt, I don't care. It, it's fine. However, if that person starts causing the uh, performance of other people around him to diminish, or it's causing a problem, then that has to be addressed. Sure. Uh, that's that's when things have to be addressed. And then you, you can only address the things that are specific to what is causing a problem. Cause I don't, I don't want to tell the person, Oh, you're, you're creating a morale problem here and it's going to have to stop. What the heck does that mean? It, you have to address specifically what that person is doing. That's causing a problem because they may be doing 90% of their things are awesome, but 10% of it sucks severely because they're annoying people. So we have to address those 10. And if that person wants to be, the best in the world and claims to be, well, you got 10% of your stuff is still messed up. So let's work on those. And and that's how you address that person, that, that prima donna, high level, uh, super employee that you're talking about. Do you find that it's ever
2: hard for some of your clients to reprimand or hold people accountable? Do they have a
3: hard time in those situations? Yeah, because they don't know how to communicate. Uh, yeah. And it's simple. I have a whole system, a real let's say I have an employee who is doing something that I don't agree with or breaking the rules or coming in late more than everybody else. Well, first of all, you have to bring it to their attention. You can't mumble under your breath and say, next time I talk to them, I'm going to handle this. No, it, you handle it right now. You, you address it right now. I don't care if you call them on the phone, send them a text. What's going on? Why is this happening? Handle it right now and then bring it up whenever it comes up but there's only so much you can do with that uh, uh, that way until you reach a point where, okay, we have to have a formal meeting about this. So you bring it to their attention, you make a note in their file. Cause so many people don't do that. They, they wind up doing reviews with people and they don't have any records. But always keep notes, every conversation, every email, every text, everything. Oh yeah. Or put it in their file. Got to do that. It's just yep. common sense. I used to carry a little flip, uh, booklet in my pocket and I always had a pen. Every time I talk to someone, there you go. Like, yeah, here. Uh I, I keep notes of everything. I even wrote down caboodle. Look it up. See what the heck this says. Uh, you know, because I'm curious. Yeah, I love it. So anyway, anyway, you'll never forget this. I'll bring it up again, I'm sure. Uh, you keep notes. Then when it reaches a point where it's not improving as a result of your little discussions or emails, then you bring the person in one-on-one and you look at them. and, And it's just, I like this quote. It's from the Dalai Lama. It says, when you are talking, you are only repeating what you already know. But if you listen, you may learn something new. So we have to get to a point where the person is talking and we listen to determine the actions required to make that inefficiency or whatever a problem is better. So you sit down and you look at them and you, and, and the reason I did, I was a single dad, I raised my kids. So I raised my kids the way I handled stuff at work. Cause I didn't know any better. Cause when I was a kid, I did whatever the heck I wanted. My parents are like, just stay out of our way. Everything's fine. Uh, and <laughs> when I was younger, I had the opportunity of either joining the Navy or joining the Hells Angels. So I picked the Navy. Good for you. uh, Fortunately. So, I mean, that's my childhood. Well, anyway, you have this person in front of you and you look at him, you say, do you know why you're here? And they'll say, yeah, well, you told me to be here this morning. Right, but why did I tell you to do that? Uh, Because you've talked to me four times already on a phone and once by text about whatever. Right. And then you look at them, you say, so what's going on? Just, and be just quiet. sit there and That's just so wait. Hard. It is hard. All you want, you want to lecture them, say, damn it, here's what's, but you, you shouldn't do that. You just sit there and look at them, what's going on? Cause until they own it and they come up with a solution nothing will change. It's just, you're making noise. They don't hear anything and they walk out the door go back and do what they ever used to do anyway. Yep. And, and, and the typical answer is the same. So what's going on? And they'll sit there and think, uh, and the answer will be, what do you think the answer is? You guys tell me, what do you think it is?
2: Ooh, someone else's problem, right? Someone else's fault.
1: I'm frustrated. I'm not,
3: no, this here's the answer. No, no. It's the same answer. My nine-year-old son gave me when I walked out the garage, when he was nine. Now he's 41. What he was, I walked down the garage and he had opened up a can of house paint and painted my sister with a brush that he found. So I walked out and I said, what the hell did you do that for? And what did he say? Uh-huh. I don't know. Same thing. That's what you're going to hear. So oh, I don't know. So I don't, so the answer is going to be, I don't know either. Let's talk about it. Then there won't nothing will be they'll just sit there and they'll shrug their shoulders. I don't know. Fine. Let me go out and get a cup of coffee and be back in 10 minutes. The uncomfortable you know, silence.
1: Thinking. Huh? The uncomfortable silence.
3: Yeah, there's nothing wrong. It's a it's a power thing. You're power more powerful saying nothing than talking. So you come back and if they still say, I don't know, fine. Meeting's over. I'll meet you in a week. Go home, and think about it because nothing will be resolved. And I guarantee you, it will be eating at them like crazy and they'll figure it out and they come back and the next question, did you figure it out? Yeah, here's what I think is going on. And there's five reasons employees don't perform at at their highest level. Number one, they don't know what they're doing. They need training. Number two, the system or processes are screwed up and they don't understand them. There's some communication problem or whatever. Number three, they're either sick or they have some personal issue that's going on. Number four, um, of course I'm drawing a blank now. I usually have those in front of me, but I'll, it's in my, I'll do a video and I'll show it to you, but there's five reasons. Um, they need training. Uh, I don't know, but anyway, it'll be one of those five or combination of anything of those five.
1: Yeah.
3: Uh, and I don't know why I don't remember them now. Cause I'm,
1: Because it's on podcast
3: and it's important. No, no, that's (laughs) great. I'm 65, so. (laughs) Is it they lack the direction or? Yeah, it's, no, I'm not going to get it. But here's what, here's what will happen next. So they'll come up with what they think is causing the problem. And it'll be in those group that I'm going to mention. I'll look it up again. And uh, so while they're sitting there telling you, I think it's this, this, and this. They'll say, I hate working with Ben. He's a jerk. Or uh, it's just, I'm afraid of heights. Or who knows what's going on. It could be anything. My grandpa moved in. I don't sleep well at night. We have a new baby. My wife and I are going through divorce. I don't know what's going on. But at least they'll bring it up. Now, you can do some things about some of that stuff. Other things you can't do anything about. So you sit there and you talk about. So here's, let's look at our, our plan. Let's come up with something that works. And there's a discussion now now we can discuss and now they can own the problem versus just be yelled at and they will help put together a plan of action for their improvement and then you put together a plan and the next question will be okay how long do you think it'll take and they'll say what do you mean to the point where we don't have to have these meetings anymore where the problems resolved how, give me a time frame i'm a time guy i'm not going to plan anything until you give me a date. otherwise don't even bother because it won't happen so uh I'm a date guy. And they'll say, well, I think everything will be good by the end of the year. Good. Let's make it the end of January just to be safe. And when we'll talk and we'll plan the meetings every once in a while to discuss this. So let's say January comes, and then this has to be in that meeting too. You sit there with a person and you're saying all these things and yeah, end of January, everything should be fine. Right. Then you look at him and say, so let's say it's February. a problem comes up again. What would you do if you were me? and let them come up with that. And then put that in writing. Well, I guess I won't be working here. Probably not, I don't want that to happen though. Or you'll be demoted to the next level. (laughs) Or I'm gonna give you a pay cut, or I'm gonna put you back on the old crappy job that you just had last year and because you're not performing at the level you should be, whatever. But that has to be discussed. Why? Because when someone's performing and not performing well, they need to know the repercussions and the rewards. If you do better, you get rewards. If you don't do better, there's repercussions. And here's what they are. And here's a date and a timeline. And that's all in writing. And next thing you know, the person's either gonna do better or they'll quit. That's typically what happens. They'll do better or they quit.
1: I love that you're using the, uh, the power of the air quotes, power of silence um, methodology. And it's so hard, I think, because you wanna say something, especially in a situation like this where we're on air, the last thing you want is dead air. But in a situation where, you know, it, there's so much, you can actually get so much more and have them, you know, once you put the pressure on them, they feel obligated to say something because it's quiet as well. And then I feel like you can get to you know, some sort of resolution faster. So I w- this brings up a good point um, because you, you had mentioned earlier, you've kind of done some of this training across m- multiple industries because you mentioned stuff with bars and, you know, and stuff with Anheuser-Busch and stuff like that. Are, when you go into different businesses as a coaching or a consultant Um, is there any consistent like deficiencies or problems that you see across all these like different, you know, regardless of the, you know, the type of industry that you're in, is there any consistency in the problems or, um, inefficiencies that that you come across? Like, what is that?
3: Um, the biggest, I already mentioned, it's this, the lack of systems and processes. Sure. It's like getting a bunch of people who never played baseball together and telling them let's play baseball. And can you imagine the wide variety of rules and regulations that they may have in their head if they've never done it before yeah that's kind of what how these businesses run
1: well, and you can't really and you can't really hold people accountable if you don't have your own systems in place right because you couldn't possibly say hey my guidelines I'm not 100 sure what they are but I said this so but you need to have some sort of and that's one thing that my, and we've had Gerber Michael Gerber in here on the podcast um along with goodrich at the same time. And, and because they're preaching systems, they talk about that's like you just said, that's kind of the first thing you got to have in place. So that way you've got some sort of KPIs or things that you can run to or, you know, these systems that you can run to something you can hold your as you continue to grow. You can hold yourself accountable to as well as your employees.
3: Right. Um, you have to have a guideline, a starting point, a structure, a foundation. And as you go through time, you have to have your ears and eyes open. Uh, just as we did at GE, one of the things I loved about GE, everything was open to uh, discussion for potential change. So we had regular meetings that allowed the employees, along with the customers, to give input as to how we can improve and do better. And you, it's important to have guidelines, rules, systems, and processes in place, just like Gerber says, and that works but to grow as a business and to create a culture of high performance and reward for every person you have to have some sort of system whereby the employees have some input for potential change, modification or adjustment as needed to meet the needs of not only employees, but the customer base, because if you're too structural, and, and to dictator type of, uh, you have like a dictator type of leaderships. So, well, these are our systems. You got to follow the system. That's great. However, if it's not meeting the needs of the team, then there's something needs to be adjusted or modified to do that. And the way I've done that in the past is I would bring, uh, representatives depending upon the size of the organization. I would bring representatives from each work area to give input into a process uh, and see how they recommend, especially I started hearing complaints and issues. Well, then I would process map that particular thing. Like, let's say, how do we take service calls? Well, what's the process map for that? Um, And what do we need to do to make that more streamlined or more efficient or easier to do when it comes to the customer and the rep? How do we schedule service calls? What is that process? And I'm sure you know what process mapping is. You just go through and look at each, each specific task and the yes or no, or what do we do after that? Kind of like a troubleshooting chart. And then you go through that whole map and look at each person who's representing each group and say, is everything here the way, is the most optimum way to do things? And they should be able to say, no, because we have to do these things three times. Because I've gone to companies where they have the same thing th- chat three or four or five different times. Like, why do we have five people involved? What it can be done by one, you know, and, and and that's where you need frontline employee input to come up with solutions to find the easiest, best, fastest, most efficient way. With the least amount of productivity involved. Uh, and, and with the least amount of product productive hours involved to get you to your end result. And, um, that they drove us nuts at GE with that. I was one of the people who spearheaded a process called workout, where we went out and streamlined things and found ways to do things better and to reduce costs and overhead, but increase revenue and increase sales, right? Which is hard to do. Mm-hmm. I would say one of the things that I do recognize that I think you asked this question earlier in the HVAC and plumbing businesses, we're so non-productive. There's so much waste of manpower and time, it's ridiculous. Every time I go on, i like, I just wanna start yelling at everybody, but I don't. I know it doesn't work because why the hell are you standing around here for crying out loud? You're getting paid, you're like the highest paid person in the building and you're standing around doing nothing. Why are they sending this guy out to pick up parts when I could be sending a almost minimum wage person out to get parts? It's just some of the things that people do blow my mind that make no sense, but it's just the way their system is. It's not defined. Yeah, like and, it should be,
1: and I think it's fair to say that um, that some people genuinely just don't get it or don't know. It's just not in their skill set. Like we talked about this before, you can be a phenomenal athlete with a terrible coach, and right. you know, and and for, and I'll say that it's not everybody had like. Even though it seems like common sense to you, Frank, um, it might not be common sense to someone else. And so this is why you actually do what you do is, you know, you are there to help, you know, you know, learn, you can educate on how to do how to be a better leader. You can educate on how to help put systems in place. You can educate on how to look for these issues and things like something as simple as somebody standing around or sending a you know, uh, one of your highest paid guys to go get parts clearly doesn't make any sense. But if they're trying to focus on so many different things, it's like, which one do I hit first? I don't have time to focus on those things, which is, why I encourage our listeners, um, you don't have to have it all figured out. You don't have to have it all figured out right now, but once you start to recognize holes, ask for help. You know, get right. get good business coaches. Get help. Ask for those things. You you don't have to have it all figured out. It's just recognizing like, hey, yo, I need help. And then, you know, reaching out to guys like, Frank, to accomplish those things. I'll, I'll share with you this piece. Um, and, and everybody in here in my office knows it. And we have, you know, 100 plus rhinos that are, you know, all working on the same Northern Star. Um, One thing I'm really, really good at is leading people because it comes from a place of passion and a place of servanthood. Uh, But I'm bad at managing people. So I know I'm not great at managing people and people need, you know, to have this defined path and need to understand where they can get better. And I love that you keep bringing up giving praise, Frank, because I think that is something that needs to be addressed. You're not just talking about you need to change this. You need to fix this. It's also giving praise for things that are done well. I still believe people want pats on the back. feels good to be encouraged. feels good to... You know, feel good about the things that you've done, but I encourage you, listeners, um, I, as I always do, is to reach out. And I think this is a really good segue, especially because I think we're like you know almost an hour or fifty minutes into this um, podcast. Is Frank, if you wouldn't mind, and, and Paul, unless you have something else to to ask Frank, I want to go into. Um, did you have anything else you want to ask him before I go into? Yeah, this? I,
2: I know where you're going, but I want to ask really quickly: what is a what is a coaching relationship with you look like, Frank? I have a
3: a system it isn't a process to fix anything it's just a system system i typically use i usually will talk to someone on a phone by the way i offer anybody who comes to any of workshops or anything in my one hour free coaching usually goes to 90 minutes or more uh just to talk about it and it's funny i've had people who took advantage of it and they want to talk about how they're going through divorce and if i can give them help because i've been divorced four times so It gives you a, so you so can I even
1: you've got quite a diverse, uh, d- diverse coaching <laughs> career. Yeah.
3: yeah, it's a I'm not a lawyer nor am I a, <laughs> a counselor when it comes to marriage, but I know what I did and what works. But anyway,
1: and how it can impact so your I, business. I, I
3: ran out of time with getting married again. I'm done. Uh, answer your question. I'll, I'll typically do the hour, hour and a half. And then they say, well, I think I need you coaching. And I said, okay, well come up with a list of things that you believe need attention within your business, things that are lacking, hurting, whatever. And I have a regular questionnaire that I send out. They fill it out. They send it back to me. Then we talk on a phone about what the answers are and questions. And then we'll set up a time. And if they agree, and after our phone call, if I feel that it's something I could help, then we start planning. If it's something that I can't do anything with, I'll recommend somebody else. You know, I'm, I'm not a good financial consultant. I hate numbers. I can look at a P&L profit. You know, I can look at a bank state. I can look at all the statements and the financials, but I can't. I'm not good at putting it all together because my brain, that part of my brain's damaged or something. I, don't know, I did too many drugs in the 70s. <laughs> I just, I'm not good at numbers. Oh, Frank. So... <laughs> Yeah. You know, what can I say? Uh, but I'm good at people and understanding business. So I'll focus on what I'm good at. And if I tell them, I think I can help you. In fact, I know I can. I never say I think I can. I know I can. Otherwise, I'm not going to do it. Right. Then I'll go in and I'll spend a couple of days just looking and talking and asking questions. And depending upon what I see and what goes on, I have to physically be there. And I just monitor and I look and I'll meet with people and pull someone out. And if I see something crazy, like someone's ripping off the company or something, well, then we got to address that immediately. Otherwise I just take a bunch of notes. I do a thing called a climate survey that I hand to groups of employees that they fill out. And then I plug it into a formula that I have. And it comes up with a number of what the most obvious thing is when it comes to what the employees are looking for or are missing. And then we have meetings and then we discuss what's going on. And i I may be able to give them a, 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 a solution list with some plans of action that they have to follow up with me on, you know, that may last and I may not have to come back or I might have to come back in a month or I might say, I got to come back for another five, six days because this is a freaking nightmare and I got to dig deeper. I don't know. Every case is different. They're similar when it comes to when I show up and what I do. But depending upon what I see and what I find, I'm kind of like an auditor of systems and processes and people, and so I look and see what's wrong and what can be fixed. Then I give them a list of things to do with the easiest first, and then so on and so forth. I've got UPS out there. <laughs> it looks like it needs a signature. You got a package, people. Oh my gosh, really? Right now? That's uh, okay. I have a security camera. So I'm looking at one of my cameras here. If you if you would possible? like if
1: you would like to go give a signature, I will get I will talk about I'll talk to our listeners. So go ahead, but you've only got yeah, 15 yeah. seconds running. So um listeners, so what we'll do whenever Frank gets back on the air from signing his UPS first. package, which is a first. I love it. That's hey, actually written. That's actually a birthday present for you, Paul. I'm certain that's what he's signing for. Yep. Um,
2: uh you gave me my present earlier, man.
1: Hey, hey, listen. Um, I think what we're gonna do too is when he Frank comes back and we we let him share kind of the contact information with him is I think what we should need to do is let you actually close this thing out instead of it being me. Are you prepared for that?
2: Man, I'm, I'm always prepared. I was not prepared for Bob uh, Saget's message earlier though.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah i was crying, man. <laughs> well, Still, man. I think that uh, um, that was the most appropriate um, cameo, if you will. Uh, for you and I, I, gosh, I mean, for me, it's hilarious. I mean, if you've listened to this podcast before, we really don't hold back much. It's very, it is explicit. So, if it's your first time, right, uh, I'm back. Sorry about that.
3: It's all, all good.
1: good. It's all good. So, Paul, take it away, buddy.
2: All right. So, hey, thank you so much for your time today. Um, if people want to get a hold of you, what's the best way for them to reach out? Uh, email.
3: Uh, Frank, God, this went by fast. I was hoping I have another hour. Uh, (laughs) Frank at therealfrank.com. Also, uh, this morning I thought of something I'd like to offer. And uh, I'm going to do a three-hour leadership uh, webinar. I'm out of breath. I was running a three-hour leadership (laughs) webinar, December 3rd of this year. If you're interested in participating, anybody who watches this, it's free. So what you got to do is send me an email. Tell me, hey, I want to participate in this webinar, a three-hour leadership, and uh, I want it free. Just tell me that, and I'll, I'll give it to you for nothing. So uh, nice. it's limited to 100 people.
1: So, so you better, if you're listening more often than not than watching, you need to get on it. So... Frank at the realfrank.com Frank, that's very generous of you um, to offer that up. appreciate that. That's cool. Listeners, hopefully you appreciate that too, but you better get on it because it's a hundred capacity you just says. So
3: well, it's a hundred time. capacity to interact, um, but uh, I can take up to 10,000 people to watch and listen.
1: Got it. Okay, so. cool. And what we'll do too is we'll also share the contact information for you. So, um, Paul, I'm taking over again. I apologize. I told you I'd let you close this thing out. So go back. No, and- no. Go ahead, birthday boy. Go ahead, birthday boy. No. Oh, you're giving it back to me? Back to you, birthday boy.
2: Okay, listeners, if you heard something today um, that made you squirm a little or made you think a little, um, don't just leave it at that. Pick up the phone, reach out to Frank, reach out to us. We'll connect you with Frank because ambition without action is what, Chris?
3: It's useless, my friend. Totally. (laughs) Uh, Thank you, listeners. Let me give you a phone number real quick if they do want to call. It's 888 88-538-5383.
1: 88-538-5383. I heard you loud and clear. Hey, Frank, thanks for being a, 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 a sport, a good sport today on letting me introduce our message from Bob Saget to Paul as uh, raunchy as it is. If you've ever listened to Bob Saget's uh, comedy shows, he is as raunchy as it gets. So he is very opposite of Danny Tanner, which is what makes this whole thing funny. Yeah. So thanks for being on here. We appreciate you, Frank. That's
3: great. Thank yep. you guys. I appreciate it. I had a good time. Thank you. And Thank you.
2: Uh, you're welcome back anytime. Thanks, Frank.
1: <laughs> till next time listeners. Thanks so much.
0: Thank you for listening to, to the point. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Please consider leaving us a review in the app store and don't forget to share with your friends till next time. Kick some ass.